I want to talk to you today about prayer. But I don't want to talk to you about the way so many of you see prayer. It is so morphed and changed to something that is not even biblical that prayer has become some poetic way of expressing your hardships and your troubles, of praying your needs and your brokenness, thinking that, well, David did it in the Psalms, so that's what we do before God, and we forget that we are no longer under the old covenant, but we are under the new. You can try all you want, and you will probably, I will probably not get an audience with the queen. You can try all you want. You probably won't get a chance to speak to your favorite actor or your favorite singer who has become famous. You see, the greater the responsibility that a leader has, the greater the influence that a leader has, the harder it is for them to hang on to any kind of time for their own marriage, their, etc., their own thought life, their own uh, freedom. And so to get an audience, to be able to speak to leaders who are doing great things is something that few of us will get to do, which makes prayer unbelievably phenomenally precious that prayer is you being able to talk to the God of the universe. You have an audience with God anytime you want. You literally have an honor beyond all honors. You've got a privilege beyond all privileges that you can speak to God himself. In the Old Testament, there was kings and leaders of countries, and, and if you were a friend of the king, you had incredible power. There could be many other people who would have positions of authority and responsibility, but if you were a friend of the king himself, your words in his ears could change the course of nations, warfare. Many wars over the years and the history have gone to war because of someone whispering in the king's ear. Did you know that you and I, we have access to God himself. Would you stop looking at prayer as some kind of weak thing that people who have no other resolve they could pray. Are you kidding me? Prayer is communicating with God. Prayer is talking with God. Prayer is speaking with God's authority in the name of Jesus and effectively changing things in this world. Have you got a wrong look at prayer? Do you even pray about things? Or have you gotten to a place where you don't even know anymore, why should I? Prayer just seems to be for little old grandmas who have nothing else to do, sitting in their homes, and we'll just leave it to them. No way. Teach your children to pray. As teenagers, learn to pray. And when we pray, we must understand the principles of prayer. Did you know there are rules to prayer? One person says, well, you know, I just talk to God. He understands my heart. Oh, I get that. 
but the way God has designed your heart, there are principles that govern it. You could say, well, I can treat my body any way I want. God knows my heart. No, gravity is designed for you not to fall more than a few feet. So if you get up on top of a building, play soccer, and fall down, if you if you disobey the principles and the rules that have been put into place over this planet, you do it to your own peril. You have been given guidelines to protect your body. You've been given guidelines to protect your mind. There are principles and rules about literally what you drink, what, what you do to take your mind off, offline, whether it's drugs, alcohol. And there are rules about your heart. Because it is your heart that is the womb of your future. And how you pray and what you pray has a stunning effect on your heart and on your specific future. Because your heart is the womb of your future. It is the autopilot of the direction of your future. Ignore it to your own peril. And so communicating and talking with God is crucial. In James chapter 5, verses 16, the second part, it says the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man. It makes tremendous power available, and it is dynamic in its working. Did you know that to begin to speak aloud and to communicate with God. And we're going to cover a couple of these rules and guidelines today because you need first to wake up to the honor, the privilege of having access to the throne room of God anytime you want and to talk with him, to communicate with him, to receive his wisdom and his understanding about how to deal with your marriage, your kids, your business, your mind, your health. Oh man, the God of the universe. So the prayer of a righteous man, it makes tremendous power available. I love the Amplifieds. Look at this verse. And it is dynamic in its working. So we must learn to pray with different kinds of prayer. I did a series that is available uh, in, the, in, the, in the church bookstore, and it talks about the art of prayer. It talks about nine different kinds of prayer. There's a prayer that Jesus prayed, and he said to the Father, if it be thy will. That's a powerful prayer of consecration, a prayer of making sure that you line up with the will of God. But he never prayed that prayer but that one time, if it be thy will. Because you, don't, you never pray that where you know his will. Because it has a dire effect on your heart. The words that you speak with your mouth, if you're praying, you say, Dear Lord, if it be thy will, please heal my body. The very using the prayers of consecration principles over on the prayer of faith is, has a dire effect on the heart because Jesus qualified you for every promise. None, the curse has been paid for. You would never pray if it be your will on things where God's will is known because your heart needs to believe, your mind needs to be renewed, and to pray a bunch of drivel that you've heard on television or by some favorite preacher that sounds humble can be hurting your heart and your heart is where you believe this is a heart this is a faith of the heart 
Now in Ephesians 8, verses 18 and 19, it says, Pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season in the Spirit, with all manner of prayer, all kinds of prayer. As you dive into God's Word, if you have not been following me in these last number of months on the drive-in messages, you need to go back and begin to study and equip yourself because we have been preparing Springs Church and the world church that is listening to an understanding of authority and power and prayer and where the Word of God fits in. It says you and I should be praying at all times during victory pray I have found the greatest times of temptation to quit to relax or when something phenomenal has just happened we're to pray on every occasion in every season and with all manner of prayer it says keep alert watch with strong purpose and perseverance interceding in behalf of all the saints God's consecrated people then Paul says pray for me so that I can have a freedom of utterance may be given to me, that when I open my mouth, I can proclaim boldly the mystery of the good news of the gospel. This term that we use at Springs called being spirit contemporary. It means that we are able to take the beautiful word of God and guided by Holy Spirit, speak it to whoever we are speaking to in a way that reveals the mystery of the gospel. To function in a way in the gifts of the spirit, to function in a way with our leadership that, that, that they understand and they rise up. The presence of God is upon what we do. A crucial principle of prayer is also to believe that you've already received it. Let me give you an incredible verse that guides us in this prayer life. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I say to you, what things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive it and you shall have it. Listen to different ways I read this verse. Therefore, I say to you, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. This is a prayer of faith that you use for yourself. And you can't force others through prayer to do what you want. But the prayer of faith is a for sure thing when you pray it for yourself with, with an understanding of what Jesus did on the cross. Look at else this verse says. Not only is it for you to pray about you, but then it says... When you pray, you must believe that you receive them. So when you pray, you must believe it is a done deal. Then it says you shall have them. There's two tenses in this sentence. The believing is past tense and present tense. And, the, and then the, the second part is future tense. You shall have them. Which means that when we pray, we declare the promises of God. We declare in our prayer time what Jesus has done, that it's ours. And then even if we don't have it, we know it's ours. We know it's our rights as because of what Jesus has done. Often preachers will make the mistake when I speak at conferences that when I pray, and sometimes they'll have me do healing services or minister to people, and, and when they say the miracle, when they see miracles or things happening, they'll just think, I, I, I think this is so wrong that you are commanding God. I said, I'm not commanding God. I am an ambassador for God speaking to the elements of this world. I'm speaking to sick bodies because sickness has no right. I'm speaking to poverty because poverty has no right. I'm declaring before the angels of heaven that this is what will happen because there must, the word of God must be voiced. 
So when we pray, we must recognize that we believe we have received it already. So you pray from a position of power. You pray from a position of authority. You are not some kind of mouse praying before God to overcome the lion. You are of the lion of Judah. So we are declaring that we are, that we have been given a position. So I don't pray mealy-mouthed prayers. I don't pray defeated as though that's humility. Some will pray, oh God, thou that sittest on the throne, if you could just see this weakness, this poor humble vessel of yours and see it in your goodness to reach down your right hand of power. And would you move aside, oh, please move aside the sickness that is just so destroying my life. And if you don't, I'm going to, oh, God. And, and they think this Old Testament prayer, and even there, that didn't work that way. But you see, I don't pray that way. If I'm going to pray over sickness, I'm going to speak to it like I would speak to the mountain. And I would command it. I'm not commanding God. I'm commanding that sickness to go. If I'm speaking about situations and finances or the church or, or things that are pushing against us, I am not getting before God. It's not a humble place to go, oh, dear God. Could you imagine if I had a babysitter over my kids? And someone came in and took the kids from them. And, and I talked to the baby and I said, what are you doing? Well, you know, I didn't want to exert too much authority over the people that came in and grabbed them out of the yard. I mean, really, I mean, I, I just wanted to be humble. Humble, what are you doing? You were given authority over my kids. You were given responsibility over my kids. You should have got up and got a baseball bat and protected my kids. I gave you authority. I gave you responsibility. God is looking at us, and he has given us authority. He has given us responsibility to be his body on the earth to the extent that the lowest person in the body of Christ, the feet, the Bible says the enemy is still under the lowest one, the youngest one. It's not a matter of being humble when you pray in some old religious way that someone has, you've heard somebody say as though that is humility. I want you to remember that it is up to you and I, the church of Jesus Christ, to rise up and use authority. Do you understand that when you don't use authority, how ridiculous, how annoying, how angry someone can get. If you've got a business and you hire someone to run your plant, and that guy is to manage the employees, train the employees, he is to inspect what he expects, he is to get out there and make sure they work, because if he doesn't, you're going to go bankrupt. And so you are working amongst all the things you own and run, and one day you come to the most important plant in, in your repertoire of, of plants in your company, and this manager, people are coming in late. People are not doing things properly. It is shipshod, uh, lousy things that they're creating on the assembly line. And you go, what in the world? And the manager says, well, you know, I didn't want to be too direct. I, I didn't want to just, you know, you know act as though I was, I, like I'm something special and they're not. So I wanted to walk in love and, and I just didn't want to be too arrogant. And are you kidding me? We're going bankrupt because you won't use the authority I gave you. You wouldn't use this, understand the responsibility that has been entrusted to you. You have cost millions of dollars and all these people you're trying to be humble in front of 
them are all losing their jobs in 29 days. Hello! That's the way the God of the harvest, that is the way the God of the universe who has entrusted to mankind authority in Christ, who has entrusted to us this earth that he has given us. And he said, subdue it, have dominion over it. And we're walking around worried about being too arrogant. I grew up in a denomination-like area where to be humble was the most important thing on the planet. I remember being taught, not, that, that not by my parents, but I remember being taught by other leaders as we got together in conferences and things, that you know a church of 250 is the largest a church should be because after 250, you know, they just get too arrogant. It's too hard to control the pride of that pastor. It should just be spread out. And it was all around staying humble. Well, if I'd have listened to that today, then Sal and I would still be preaching on 479 St. Mary's Road and, and just to a couple hundred people. And we wouldn't be expecting the hundreds of thousands that have given their lives to Christ and actually we have no idea how many when you go around this world in all the languages we could have just stayed humble if humble is to us just this inability to do anything great because we wouldn't want to look as though we're better than anybody else and we get hung up in this wrong sense of humility you go ahead and you keep doing what you're doing going well gosh golly shucks gee you know I don't want to look like I'm better than anybody else. That's not the point. The point is you've been entrusted with, with the name of Jesus. You've been given a responsibility to increase the kingdom of God, to prosper so that you can give, to influence so you can touch a city, a nation, and to not do so is sin. Listen to me. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. For you not to rise up with the authority of God's word, to not use the name of Jesus, to not use all manner of prayer, to not spend time with the God of the universe so you walk out of this time with him with such a transference of, of joy and love and a manifestation of power and peace that you can rise up and continue to be the dad, the mom, the leader that you need to be. This is why churches need to raise up leaders because the future prime ministers and the future future premiers and the future billionaires and the future doctors of health organizations need to come from men and women who understand, respect God. And so we need to raise them up and get rid of this false sense of humility as though to stay low. You know, I'm going to just stay dumb till he comes. What? No, the brilliance of God is upon us. The Old Testament stories are great analogies. Now, they are real stories to show you and I a lot of this new covenant. And so when we look at guys like Solomon, who would get up and run the nation that the world still stands in awe of, when you look at David, who could rise up and take out any enemy that would come against him, and we recognize that we are a part of the family of God. When you pray, we must believe that we receive. When we pray, it's already a done deal. But we still must pray. One guy said to me, Leon, I don't need to pray because the Bible says that God knows I need it before I pray. I said, God knows everything you need. How come you're not getting everything you need? Well, I don't know because God knows I need it because you need to pray. 
<laughs> you need, you're the trigger. You're the person who's deciding all of the wonderful promises of God that Jesus died for and made for you and I. You are the one that must rise up and declare the promises of God and declare what Jesus has won for you and I. So we must pray his promises. In Exodus 23, 25, listen to a few of these promises, and I'll list just a few out of thousands. It says here, you shall serve the Lord your God. He'll bless your bread and water and take sickness from your midst. If there ever was a day that you should be praying this promise and saying it's mine, it's today. Because I don't care what stuff gets into the food. I don't care what stuff gets into the water. You know, I don't care what stuff I am eating, drinking, absorbing through my skin, breathing into my lungs, or what waves are passing through my body from microwaves to whatever's going on. No deadly thing shall hurt me. He's removed sickness from me. He's removed sickness from my family. Will I stand up? and begin to declare that in prayer. Because if you don't, nobody can do it for you. It says, who's, you know, it's talking about what you, when you pray, believe that you receive. And if you don't doubt in your heart, you shall have it. This is crucial. Another promise. It says here in, in Exodus 23, 25 to 27, it shall, none shall lose her young by miscarriage or be barren in your land and I will fulfill the number of your days. You see, so many couples that we are believing with who desire children, and doctors and scientists and experts are saying things like the birth rate is changing. You know, what's going on in men's bodies and women's bodies is being affected by much of what's going on on this planet, and there's so many ways to go from there. But yet the promise says to you and I that none, shall have miscarriages. None shall be barren. And then when you are born, you don't die in your first year, second year, or in your 50th year, but he fulfills the number of your days. In Psalms 91, it says that with long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. We have two indications in the Bible of how many days people live. 80 years is what they, they lived when they were um, on the way to Canaan. But another portion says we have 120 years. And so these are promises to you and I. But a promise is useless unless you take the authority and the privilege of prayer and you pray over you. You pray over your health. You speak the word of God over your finances, your mind, your body, your generations. This thing of prayer, it says to pray always. It says to pray at all times, to pray in all seasons, to pray with all manners of prayer. Look at verse 27 here. I will send my terror before you. And I will throw into confusion all the people to whom you shall come. And I'll make all of your foes turn from you in the fight. In other words, you won't even have to deal with much of this stuff. He is saying here that there is a promise that it is God who goes before you. And you know what? As you study the Old Testament, there is a confusion about the enemy. 
whether you are going to court, whether you have someone taking your business on, if your business finances the kingdom of God, there is a level of assurance upon you that when others lie, steal, stab you in the back, do something to belittle or hurt the company that is financing the kingdom of God, then you need, there's this incredible authority that knows, hey, I am a child of the king. I am financing his most crucial thing, his church. And so I want to challenge you today. Make sure that you are praying. Make sure that you understand prayer. Study prayer from the new uh, covenant. Now remember when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that Jesus is not ministering from the new covenant. He's ministering as the Son of God in this transition time between the old and the new. So from the book of Acts and on, as you see after the cross, how the disciples ministered, you can have a beautiful confidence of every time you go back to the old and every time you go back to the life of Christ, you'll understand the powerful truths when they go through the cross. Now here it says in Psalms 105 verse 37 that the children of Israel, when they came out of Egypt, he brought them forth with silver and gold. I want you to know that in life down here, he wants to bring you out. He wants to bring you forth with a blessing, with prosperity, so that you can finance what is in your life to do and for the kingdom of God. And then it says, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. The 12 tribes of Israel came out of Egypt, and we are confident that at least 2 million of them. At least 2 million. So that would be the entire, beyond the entire province of Manitoba. Okay? You know, if you were to take a city, even somewhere in the world, of two million people and not find one grandma, one grandpa, one baby, not one child, what, not one mom who was weak or tired or sickly or anything, there was not one feeble one among them. When you understand the, the principles and the promises of God, that they're yours, then you understand prayer and how to, the, the different kinds of prayer. There's a kind of prayer that is just enjoying God, talking with God, communicating with God. There's a prayer that gets things done in your personal life, like the prayer of faith. There's things that get things done in someone else's life, like the prayer of agreement. And there are different guidelines for the prayer of agreement, just like there's different guidelines for the prayer of faith. And then, as we go on in the next two sessions, I'm going to be doing a second and a third part to this message. So when you go home, get back out there and find the second and third service as we go from part one to part two to part three, and we learn how to pray. We pray in a way that gets results, because everybody seems to have a little piece of the puzzle, but so many have never spent the time to understand this beautiful, amazing, incredible uh, prayer that gets results. Prayer where things happen. So pray his promises. I'll give you one more in 3 John chapter. Uh, there's only one chapter there, but for 3 John 2 it says, My beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and that you are in health even as your soul prospers. 
as you continue to protect your mind, your emotions, your heart by the washing of water with the Word, meditating daily by listening to messages, studying the Word of God. It says here that it's God's desire that you prosper, that everything you put your hand to prospers. Your business prospers financially. Your body prospers health-wise. Your mind prospers emotionally. Your family prospers. That your marriage prospers. That your romantic life prospers. Everything you put your hand to, he wants to prosper. So Jesus has finished this on the cross, okay? He has won it for you and I, and now we must know how to pray effectively. We must know how to take what has been won for us and bring it into our lives. How to pray for a friend with the prayer of agreement. How to pray with your entire church in united prayer. How to pray the prayer of casting your cares upon him, which you probably will have to do in a crisis repeatedly. Take that and push that care off and, and, and send it away. Send it away. The cares, the anxieties that push at you in the middle of a storm. Stay focused on God. Speak the word in your prayer time out loud and send the cares and the anxiety. Oh, there's so much to learn, but it's so exciting as we look at prayer and the fact that you, have the right, the privilege, the honor to communicate with God. And you've been given the authority to use so much of what has been given to you and I through Jesus. Father, today I ask that every person listening to me would wake up to the privilege, the honor, the rights of prayer. I pray that, Lord, you would cause every one of us to pray always with all manner of prayer, to be so fascinated with our last will and testament, what we have inherited through you, that, Father, we'll no longer wander through life just blaming you for every negative thing. But, Father, we're going to rise up with an authority that you've given us already. Father, I pray right now for each person listening to this, Holy Spirit, speak deep within their hearts and raise them up. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior today, I want to lead you in a powerful prayer. It's a prayer of only you can pray. A prayer of giving your life to Jesus Christ. I made that decision in my life, and I've never regretted it. If you say, Leon, I don't know him, but I'd like to know him, pray this way. Just say, God, thank you for sending Jesus. He died on a cross for me. He paid the price for my sin. He took my punishment. He died in my place. So Jesus, come into my heart. I give you my life. I'm following you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the family of God. That's a powerful thing to do to make this decision to follow Christ.